Welcome to the Philippe Matthews Show at thepmshow.tv. Named the Oprah of the Internet by Mark Victor Hansen, Philippe Matthews doesn't ask questions that are different. He simply asks questions that make a difference. The Philippe Matthews Show features entertainers, bestsellers, authors, thought leaders, change agents, and world-class experts in the field of personal, spiritual, and professional development. An Internet marketing entrepreneur, Philippe is the creator of the How Movement, dedicated to teaching people how to move from the mindset of hope to the process of how. If you are ready to take your life to the next level, move from the mindset of why to the mindset of why not. Tune in right now to this latest edition of the Philippe Matthews Show and watch your life grow. And we're back, ladies and gentlemen, on the Philippe Matthews Show radio show. Thank you for tuning in and listening. I have a legend with me, ladies and gentlemen, today. I have a civil rights uh, leader and uh, author, a man who marched with Martin Luther King, uh, internationally recognized literally as a civil rights uh, leader, born in Wichita, Kansas, and grew up in California, earning his doctorate in urban and education and psychology from the University of Massachusetts, and received a bachelor, a master, excuse me, of divinity from Howard University. Uh, Dr. Gerald Durley is with me. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. How are you, uh, Brother Felipe Martin? I, I'm Matthew, I'm how are you today? I am good. I am good. Now, you just recently uh, uh, retired, uh, what was it, 25 years, 30 years as the pastor of Providence Missionary Baptist Church? That's right. Uh, 25 years here in Atlanta, Georgia, called Providence Baptist Church. It was a church where a man named uh, Dr. Benjamin Elijah Mays was all of his uh, professional career as he was president of Morehouse College, but he was the mentor of Dr. King, and so I became pastor there in 1984 or 1985 and wow. retired about three or four years ago from Providence here in Atlanta. Wow, wow, what a, what a legacy, what a legacy. Um, now, this book, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the book is called I Am Amazed, Reflections of an Awe-Inspired Life. Here's what's going to happen when you pick this book up, as it did for me. You will not put it down. Do not think that you're going to pick this book up and just skim through it. The moment you pick it up and read the first awe-inspiring aspect of this man's life, you are captivated and captured, and you will have to sit down wherever you are and read this book. It is truly an amazed life. Look, I, I know we don't have, you know, uh, eight hours to talk about <laughs> or eight years to talk about this, but... <laughs> I was, I, you know, yeah, you, you, you named the book personally, I'm amazed, because everything I'm going to say from this point on is I am amazed at where you come from to where you are now and to what you have gone through. So now let's, let's kind of go back a little bit. We'll, we'll put some history into this in, the, uh, uh, in context uh, in the book. Your mother was 16 and your father was 19 when, 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 when you were born. Is that right? That's or when right. they met? Is, or when you, when when you were born. born. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, so uh, put that in context for us. Now, your father raised you. It was, it was in an area. No, no, no. We, it was in Wichita, Kansas. My mother was 16. And my, my father was there. He had a little uh, working at an airline plant, a, a plant making Boeing Cessna airplanes there in Wichita, Kansas. Okay. And uh, what's interesting is that he was a mu- musician. So his real life was being a musician. And then uh, when she got pregnant, uh, at 16, then I was born there in Wichita, Kansas, and all of a sudden something went on in his life, and he was converted, and he wanted to become a minister. So he entered a entered the ministry while he was working at this little airline plant. Oh and, wow! Uh, during the day, playing music in the evening, and then on the weekend he had a little church. 
uh, and I was I was born into that kind of environment in Wichita, Kansas, right there in the uh, in the very poor section of Wichita, and in, in, uh, in the early forties. Um, and 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 is it true that uh, you, you you didn't know? Did you know that you were uh, uh, poor in a poor community? No, I don't think uh, any any African Americans really considered themselves poor during those days. No, because there was no such thing as you were poor. You were, and 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 also there was no such thing as a child being, even though you were born out of wedlock, you were not ostracized, because there were so many things going on in our community, and we all worked together. Yes. The, the the postman lived next door to the trash collector. The trash collector lived next door to the pastor. The pastor lived yes. next door to the principal. It was a neighborhood where we all walked together, so there were no big eyes and little views. So you didn't know that you were poor. You knew that you might not have had everything that other people had. But the interesting thing is that you didn't you didn't need all that you had. If I mm-hmm. had something, you had something, and we had something that's missing today. We learned how to share. We learned how to give. We learned how to respect. We learned how to reach over and lift someone else up. There was a saying that we had, down not those who are down. Cheer them up in their sorrow, for this old world is a funny old world, and you may be down tomorrow. So mm. you constantly lift someone up. That's why I said, now I'm amazed, born to a 16-year-old mother, born in a poor section of Kansas, and all of the things that have transpired when you're marching with Dr. King and other places. That's amazing, but it's not unique. Now, there's a difference between amazing and unique. Everyone in your listening audience, including you, you've had an amazing life. If Uh you go back and look, when I sit down and begin to think about things, I was truly amazed. I was shocked. But it's not unique because anyone who's gone through the challenges, and particularly in the African-American community, and there might be those in the Latino and other areas, what you've gone through, if you look at your life, it's amazing as to where you are today. Uh, The ups, the downs, the mountains, the valleys, the the losses, the divorces, the deaths, the disappointments, the frustrations. But we don't have enough time to stop and say, you know what, I'm amazed. And when you start doing that, it just starts to... Uh, it's like an onion. It begins to unpeel. I'm amazed that I got into a junior high school and high school and I met someone and somebody gave me my first job and I'm amazed that I, I got married. I'm amazed that I made it through a divorce. I'm amazed that I got through a death of my mother or my mm. grandmother. Mm-hmm. Those are all amazing moments. And I think mm-hmm. if we took time to look at our individual lives, we'd, we'd say, you know what? I am... I am amazed, but what that does, it humbles you. Mm-hmm. And when you're humble, then you can begin to enjoy where you are today. Yes, absolutely. I love that. I love that, Doc. Now, uh, your your grandmother was also a massive influence uh, in your life growing up. Is that right? Right. Uh, and, and, and in the book I talk about, and this is why I say it's not so unique, because any of us who came up in any degree of poverty, we had she had three rooms. My mother was so young, so I stayed with her. And she had a slop jar at the bottom of her bed. A slop jar was something that the older people, because there was no indoor bathroom, she would get on that slop jar and do her business. Also, she dipped snuff. So she would put the snuff, she would spit in that pail, and in the evening uh, do whatever she had to do in that pail. My job was to empty that pail every mm-hmm. morning, rinse it out, and put water back in it. One night, as I related in the book, I accidentally kicked it over, and I learned a lesson of my life. She said, if you make a mess, clean it up. 
And mm-hmm. I had to get down there on that floor, that little linoleum floor, and clean all that stuff up. And she said, boy, don't be nice, nasty. If you make a mess, never be ashamed to clean it up. Clean it up and start all over again. Now, even though I was cleaning a slop joint foot of my grandmother's bed, even now in life as I meet with people all over the world, if I've made a mess of something, if I've said something to hurt someone's feelings or insulted someone, that's a mess. Then I need to clean that up and mm. not, not, not think that I'm so high and mighty or I know so much to do it. And I'm amazed at the lessons that you learn from small things. Everyone listening to me now, your life is amazing. Stop and think about what you did yesterday and how you got through. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the society in which we live does not allow us to stop because once we finish one thing, we're on to something else. Mm-hmm. In life, you say, oh, you finished junior high school. Where are you going to high school? You finished high school. Where are you going to college? You finished college. Where are you going to work? Oh, you got married. When, when are you going to have a child? Oh, what job? You? And we never – sometimes we've got to stop and say, you know, I'm amazed at what – what has been accomplished in my life today. Mm-hmm. And that's where I am right now. All it's about right and now. Be, and being thankful for where I'm right now, just waking up. And, and right now I'm, I'm amazed that when you talk about Philip Matthews, the uh, Rev shock and what you're doing, touching so many people's lives. But the, the beauty is that when you're amazed, don't live with your amazement, go out and amaze somebody else and allow them to grow in the amazement of what God has done in their lives. Wow. And that's the beauty. I mean, when I met Dr. King, I was 18 years old at Tennessee State University in Nashville. Mm. I wanted to be a basketball player. I wanted to get an education. But I saw the atrocities of racism and sexism and genderism and classism. And this is 1960. That's 56 years ago when I came there. My goal was to be a basketball player and then go into the pros. Mm-hmm. But all of the kinds of, of uh, segregated attitudes began to flow and began to put barriers. But, you know, you've got to be amazed when you've overcome certain barriers, the barriers of racism, barriers of classism, and just to vote. I'll never forget when a white man came up to me and simply said, look at you, boy, you'll never be able to vote. Why don't you go someplace and sit down? That was mm-hmm. 1962, Philip. Mm-hmm. And uh, I looked at that. And now not only were we allowed to vote, but we've elected a person of color to the White House. I'm amazed at that. Absolutely. Some people might take that for now, granted. Please tell us the story, Dr. Durley. Please tell us the story in the book uh, where you talk about this is when you had um, uh, uh, started playing basketball. You were going to uh, buy a hat. Uh, All right. Now, what had, happened there? Yeah. Yes, because that was a very poignant point in your life. All of us have turning points in our lives. Mm. Uh, it might be sitting at a uh, Safeway, a Kroger's, a grocery store. It might be at a service station. There are moments when people come into your life, circumstances and conditions, and if you're not overwhelmed, stop for a moment and it's amazing. I was recruited to play basketball at Tennessee State. Wilma Rudolph, Ralph Boss, and all the great Olympians were there. And as I got on the bus leaving Denver, Colorado, I uh, got on the bus going to Nashville, 1960, and when I got to the Tennessee state border, the bus driver came back and said, I'm, you've got to go to the back of the bus behind that white line. And I thought he was being kind to me because I was six feet five, and I thought he was giving me more room. Two of the black elderly ladies said, no, young boy, shut up. Sit back here with us and keep your mouth shut. You can't sit up there. I was confused. I was all-city, all-state basketball in Denver, Colorado, going into a new world 56 years ago. Got there, and when I got off the bus, I got ready to drink some water, and a guy grabbed me by my neck. 
said, you don't drink out that water fountain, you drink out of this one. Wow. And the coach picked me up and took me back to the campus. Two days later, I went downtown to a, group, to a department store to buy a hat. Went into the hat. Here I was, six feet five, 175 pounds, all city, all state, basketball, under, trying to just make it in school so that I could move on with my life. Mm-hmm. And I bought, I picked up a hat, put it on my head. The hat was too small. The lady came up to me and simply said this, that hat will be $6.50. I said, ma'am, the hat's too small. She said, that's $6.50. I said, it's too small. But this time, can you imagine in Nashville, Tennessee, in a department store downtown, a tall, skinny black kid with all white people surrounding him, and he's saying, this hat's too small. The manager came out and said, what is wrong? She said, he won't pay for this hat. I said, I won't pay for it because it's too small. The man looked at me and said, nigga, let me tell you one damn thing. Mm. You... Get that hat on your head and get out of here. He took the money out of my pocket and threw me out. And I walked past Fisk University, Meharry, back to the school, dropped my head. Uh, what happened? Who do these? Who are these people? In all of our lives, there are moments, there are circumstances, conditions, and when you look and you don't know why, and it's not even your fault, that's an amazing moment to begin to start the rest of your life. I came back, told the coach I was leaving, and I was going to go to UCLA since I was from the West Coast. But I didn't. I stayed overnight, went down to Fisk the next day, and met five young men, Hosea Williams, Andrew Young, Julian Bond, and uh, Martin Luther King, and uh, Abernathy at Fisk University. My life turned around. Whatever moment you're going through in your life, don't castigate it. Don't tear up the people around you. Look for what is it in that moment that's amazing. Mm. And that started to where I am today, all the way, the things of uh, traveling with Barack in 2007 and all of those things. But it started with a very debasing, frustrating, disappointing, uh, down moment. But Even beyond that, those- though, Doctor, there's another story a lot of people don't know this, and that you were labeled EMR, educationally mentally retarded, and you right. had a stuttering problem, and you overcame that as well. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, this man is in a, this book is called An Amazed Life and an Awe-Inspiring Life, is because what he has had to overcome is not just uh, uh, racism and social injustice. There are personal things in his life that he's had to overcome and has done so so well, it's almost unbelievable or not believable that you had a stuttering problem and at at some point you were labeled um, uh, EMR, educationally mentally retarded. And the key is that this, every person listening to us uh, talk right now, this, this conversation, there is something in your life where somebody put you down, where you feel felt less than, where you might have been made to feel small, but it's at that moment that you begin to grow. There are certain people that says, I wish I could lose weight. I wish I could gain weight. I wish I was taller. I wish my hair was a certain way. I wish my nose wasn't so broad. All of these things, these are circumstances to help you grow, and it's amazing when you recognize them and overcome them. That's why I say I wrote this book about me, but it's really about any and everybody who reads it, and they'll say, you know what? I was in the same position. And you reach a point in your life, do you bless somebody or do you blast them? You have Mm. a choice. Do you bless or blast? And do I curse you out or do I say, let's get to know each other? And that's what happens. And more and more you do it, you get stronger and you're stronger. And for this small time that we have on the planet, 
your your life becomes so amazing that it's exciting and it's livable. Right now, we don't need all of the kinds of antidepressants and all of the kinds of pills that we take. And I, I believe in medicine, so don't think I'm one of these anti-medical people. But, but mm-hmm. I just believe if we look at the at the strengths of what you've come through, and I'm saying you, listening audience, what you've come through, stop today and just reflect back from three years old, seven years old, 12 years old, 16 years old. Were you disappointed at the prom? So what? It's amazing that you're still here and the prom was over 20 years ago. Don't hang on to that. Let it go. Uh-huh. Let it go and enjoy the amazing moments of today because the only way you have an amazing moment now is that you've come through a lot of amazing times. Absolutely. And I didn't mean to get off into that. I didn't mean to run my Absolutely. Mind. No, that's what I want you to do because what your life is and what it reflects and represents is um, uh, people over, being able to overcome uh, anything that won't kill them. In other words, what won't kill you will only make you stronger. Now, I, there's some other stories that I want to uh, ask you about. When you know we, what? Had, I, we were joking about uh, what happens when you, – you, why is it that in your home right now you, don't, you do not take a bath? You don't have a bathtub well, in your home. <laughs> no, no. Now, I, remember I, that story? <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got a nice home here in Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, but in the master bedroom, I have no bathtub. The reason I don't have a bathtub now, there are other bathrooms in the house. And, and they each have a bathtub, bath, uh, tub. But when I was younger, living in St. Louis, Illinois, on the third floor at 2626A Madison, my father was a small-time preacher with about 30 members, and uh, we we would have to take a bath on Saturday night. And we had a number 10 tub, and my mother would boil water and put the water in there, and then my sister Myrna would get in, and she would bathe Myrna, and then she'd heat up some more water, and then Leanne only, and then it's, and the ring around the tub would grow. And I'm being the oldest, me being the oldest, I would be put into that tub, and I refute, and I'd have to get in there, and I hated it. I hated it. And then after we took the bath, she'd put some straight, uh, hard line grease on my hair with a stocking cap so I'd look good the next day. She wanted my hair to look good. She wanted me to be clean. And so to this day, years later, I do not have a bathtub in the master bedroom, a shower, because I don't want to sit in anybody else's water. I don't even want to sit in my own water. Another thing, when they used to deliver that USDA peanut butter and you had to stir the top and that powdered milk, my children never understood why, Daddy, Daddy, why don't you have peanut butter here? I said, no, I've had my spill of peanut butter. <laughs> and when they start talking about peanut butter and celery, Philippe, I said, oh, no, 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 no. Eat it at school, but not here. So those are, but those are lessons. I'm amazed I came through the, the tin tub in the kitchen on Saturday night. I came through the stocking caps on the head. I overcame the stuttering. Those that laughed at me said I would never make it without, without stuttering. They're dead and gone, and I'm traveling around the world without stuttering. And these are the kinds of things in everybody's life. There is something that, 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 that assists you in your own stumbling, but never let anybody put you in a box. They put me in the box of EMR. And until I realized that I was not educationally mentally retarded, mm-hmm. I was going through a phase. Whatever you're going through now, I don't care what it is, don't let people put you in a box. Don't put yourself in a box. Life is amazing. Wow. That is, there are so many lessons in this book, ladies and gentlemen. Um, 
there was a, a story, I don't know if you remember, you can tell us uh, that your wife, why your grandmother discouraged you from drinking coffee. Well, this is something that and anybody that's been around any time, uh, my grandmother used to have Hills Brothers of Folgers coffee. She, she was very fair, very, very, very fair. And she would pour it in a saucer and blow it and suck it up. And it smelled so good when you're in a little bitty house or cold stove, wood stove. And I said, Grandma, let me have some of that coffee. She said, no, boy, don't you drink coffee. It'll make you black. And I said, what? She said, it'll make you black. Oh, no, no, Grandma. And these people were so smart in those days. She knew that the worst, she knew in my mind, the worst thing that you could be black. Because, see, we worshiped Tarzan. And all, everything and everything that was white was right, but black was bad. So to drink coffee made me black. So I said, oh, no. Now, what she was really saying she was using that because she knew the customs of the day to be black and how we didn't want to be black and we didn't want to be Negro and all of this. What she was saying, she was really saying caffeine is not good for your young body. So they used those subliminal messages to get the message across, And but they were a student or so. Even to this day, I do not drink coffee. I know mm. coffee doesn't make me black, but it's about the caffeine. But, but those messages were embedded. Each Every person here has had an old drunk uncle or aunt or a grandmother or grandpapa who said something that's embedded in our minds, and we might not know what it meant. My mother used to say, boy, you look like something the cat drug in. Straighten up. Now, I don't know what the cat drug in, but I've told my own children. And my grandson, I told my grandson, boy, you, you get yourself together. You look like something the cat drug in. Now, this young boy is a junior in the Naval Academy, and he's telling his friends, I don't want to look like something the cat drug in. Now, he doesn't know what the cat drug in, and neither do I. But it, <laughs> the cat, something the cat drug in. How about this one? Boy, if you don't straighten up, I'll slap you in the next week. Slap somebody into next week. And I used to think, I used to think, how, if she slapped me, how would I go into next week? 